Welcome back to the X-Files podcast by LSG Media. I'm Dean. I'm Josh. And on this week's episode, we bring you Season 1, Episode 10, Fallen Angel. So what's up? Hey, not much, man. I, uh, I'm finally in the live gone. chat here. This gave me a chance to do like an additional, like I just threw it on while I was doing some laundry and some fucking housework. So I kind of got a little, uh, another review without having to worry about notes and shit. Well, that's nice. Nice, nice. I didn't remember this episode really at all, to be honest with you, but we might as well start. Should we start? Yeah, let's just go. All right. We're in anyway. We'll probably start it there somewhere. But yeah, man, I'm, um, I'm ready to talk about this. It's, uh, yeah. I mean, you know, <laughs> that's got a couple of things I want to discuss with you being uh, formerly in the military. Hello, everybody in the chat. They're saying hello. Hello, Daniel Fouch, Stephen. Hello, everybody. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's fascinating. Yeah, it is fascinating. And yeah, uh, first timer in the chat, Mr. David Bell, popping his, uh, popping his live cherry. Mr. If you Bell. Are interested in the live shit, um, we do almost all our shows live at uh, www.LibertyStreetGeek.net slash live. That will get you over to Mixler. It's free. It's kind of fun. Give it a little chatting with uh, with the cool cats that listen to X-Files as we uh, go through the show. Yeah, and did you know, I can hear the episode in the background when we stop that. Did you know that um, we've recently fixed the schedule? Because <laughs> apparently I had some sort of error on, I've had some website issues as of late, I'll, I'll have you know. But um, I've learned many things in this grueling four weeks. I learned about updating out-of-date pages by way of FileZilla and uploading stuff through FTP. That makes me pretty fancy. I learned about things like going to my WPM or whatever to fix my PHB settings from a fucking update I had to do. That fucking broke a bunch of shit. Um, including uh, the, the only schedule. PHP I'm familiar with is the player's handbook. So I don't know what the fuck. <laughs> or I don't know maybe what it's kind of weird. Which doctor you're talking about? It's all voodoo to me, but um, but it's you know uh, I I am it, there's no talent here, right? It's just <laughs> dogged tirelessness, to just do effort. effort. There's a bunch of it's a bunch of fourth liners just grinding, grinding it, out. it out on that shit. Oh my god, it's brutal. <sighs> Well, like the, uh, my, so you, this is not a fresh one for you, is what you're telling me, Fallen Angel? No, because I watched it that day, if that's what you're asking me. I mean, in general, like this is not an episode you've seen a lot, not no. one that really came back to you strongly? It wasn't one that I felt it was necessary to watch over and over again, like some of the other ones, mm-hmm. if you know what I mean. Yeah, this, uh, it's not one I've watched a lot of late. I've seen it probably a couple times in the last five or six years by, you know, rewatches or whatever. But it it's one that, you know, I've mentioned I had, see, all, I think I had all of season one on VHS. But, I, you know, I had uh, my parents divorced, remarried when I was a little kid. So at one point, my tapes got mixed up between the houses. And I remember at my dad's house, the tape with this on it, it was this eve. I don't remember if it was two or three ones on this tape. But I remember it was like the only one there for a while. So... I watched the shit out of this episode as a kid. Right on. Like a, a lot, probably 10 times as a kid. Awesome. Um, Why do you suppose? Just because you had it? 
Yeah, because it's not really like 10 times viewable. At the time, it was, and I don't... I'm curious I'm not about shitting that. on this episode. I'm not shitting on it. No. I have, I have some... There's some stuff I really like about it, and there's some things that really don't hold up as well. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, well, I'm curious as to, as, to, uh, as to us working our way through this, but uh, we should definitely do that. Um, but let's just, let's, let's go to Townsend. Come with me, Josh, to Townsend, Wisconsin. Uh, come with me to Townsend, Wisconsin at 1 a.m., if you please, if that's something you'd like to do. That sounds like torture. <laughs> <laughs> I've only been to Wisconsin once. It was to Milwaukee. It was a blast, but um, Danny Falch had a, a lot of hilarious comments in the uh, Facebook page about how this wasn't realistic because there weren't like bars everywhere that they drove down the road. Right. Um, right. And from my very limited experience, they do do a lot of drinking in Wisconsin, but I think it's kind of that you're up there like Buffalo, like what the fuck else is there to do? Right. You know what I mean? Like any of those northern, northern Canada, Canada bordering american cities or it's just kind of like well it snows a lot and there's a ton of beer and and fried food well did you know wayne that the algonquin call milwaukee <laughs> called milwaukee milwaukee <laughs> right was that wayne's world alice cooper yeah, says that alice cooper yeah. <laughs> well we're in wisconsin and things are weird we have fire reports we meet deputy Wright, who looks just a hair above a hair below the competence level of uh, somebody you might expect. But I think he's pretty brave. <laughs> he suggests dispatch send the fire because he's seeing some shit out there in the woods, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if I'm it- a black guy, <laughs> now, not a black guy, never been one, and I don't identify as one because I hear you can do that now. <laughs> but I wouldn't be anywhere near woods and fire in white people country. I drive away. It- <laughs> I would drive far away and radio it in and say, yeah, I'm not going to exit the vehicle. Because doesn't he exit the vehicle here? He does without any, without any positive radio contact. Like, he can't get anybody in the radio. And he's like, well, I guess I'll just walk out there. That's a bad move. Because, <laughs> you know, I can see there's a fire. Mm-hmm. So I'll just check it out. Maybe yeah. I can, you know, secure the area. I guess. Maybe? I guess it that looks hat, cool though, man. It looks great. I guess that because hat on his head tells him he can do this. It's a lot of authority in that hat. Right. A lot of authority. And uh yeah, it does look cool though. It's cuz it's not just a fire. There's like kind of those fireballs going up like it is not just like a forest fire. There's clearly like something man-made going on. Um and it's that just woods at night, that X-Files shit that we love. Love it. Uh and yeah, he's going to he's going to go check it out. It's vintage X-Files to start, isn't it? Yeah, very much so. But I do like, a lot of times our, our intro scene is always just kind of on, you know, not necessarily un, uncut, right? But it's it's one little setting. And this one, we jump between two. We get right, Deputy Wright, and then we hop off to this Air Force base and these uh, this uh, radar tech Air Force type. Yeah, uh, we calls call over that. a bogey. Unidentified, which I think is indicative in the term bogey, so that might be yeah. a bit superfluous. Wild, wildly redundant. <laughs> Trip defense off the coast of CT, I guess. Weird trajectory. No known aircraft can maneuver like this. That reminds me of some uh, of some X Files talk right there. Oh yeah. No aircraft can maneuver like this. I feel like we've said that before. Uh, yeah, I think probably in uh, episode two. Yeah, I think I you're think. right. 
It's probably the one. 800 mile per hour impact speed. That's odd. Seems fast. Doesn't sound good for anybody involved. <laughs> nope. And then we meet Colonel Henderson. Colonel fucking no fun. This guy is a fun Nazi. Colonel military trope. Wow. <laughs> you know who? Uh, uh, he's he's Gordy Lachance's father in Stand By Me, right? So he <laughs> yeah. he'll always haunt me. As, as as he did in that movie when the kid sees him in the flashback, he's like, it should have been you, Gordo, at the fucking kid's brother's funeral. He's like saying, you should have died to your brother. So no matter what I see Mr. Lachance in, he's always Colonel Mr. Lachance to me. But yeah. like, he's, should have been you, Gordo. And fucking <laughs> Will Wheaton cries. <laughs> he's also a uh, goddamn... Uh, Quattro. Crank... Uh, what's his name there? Quattro. Qu- yeah. Quattro. Who's the, who? Quattro. I think Quattro. is how you actually Quattro. say it. Yeah. Who's the, who's the, the brain guy? I keep saying Crank, but that's from uh, <laughs> Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, I think. <laughs> the other brain inside I a bigger think it's body. George. <laughs> okay. George and Quattro. I'm yeah. just George. No, I'm not. <laughs> yeah, we start off our, our excellent um, military uh, representation. It's a good, with, it's uh, a good beginning. The, the time on deck is twenty four eighteen. That's uh that's called out by the radar officer. That's which is great. Solid. And uh yeah. What is twenty the, that doesn't this, exist, right? No. It's no. Oh, oh, 18, right? Go right to go right to zero hours. Yeah. Um but uh Colonel Henderson informs them that they're incorrect in their assessment and it is in fact a meteor. Is he trying to cast a spell on them? <laughs> he, if if so, they make their will save. Mm. Well, bad news because this is a code indigo delta echo niner. Mm. I don't know if you know about that one. Can you look that one up for me? Yeah, I don't know. It's not on my uh, authentication procedure. It must be beyond my clearance level. I would say so because it yeah. is, sir, a fallen angel in sector eighty-seven. Mobilize Operation Falcon. Operation Falcon. Yes. That's uh, that's good X Files. Just kind of talk. Yeah, absolutely. Love that shit. So he steps what away. What do you think about Predator <laughs> Cam? Predator Cam. Because um, we we go right from that back to Deputy Wright, who is uh, protecting oh, and serving. Oh, you know when you said Predator Cam, I uh, I of course immediately assumed you were talking about the thermal scope at the end of the episode. Oh, I because of the I heat see. sigs. But yeah. All right, we'll call it. Do we go? P- do we go? Monster back POV. Monster POV. I like that. Sure. That works. Um, I like, well, before that, I like the, them two. Like, oh, jeez. This radio operator lady, she's like, man. She suspiciously looks like the girl in the last episode. Like, this is her new gig. She's hoping this <laughs> boss loves her as much. Right? <laughs> like, Ghost I think in the that machine. was a couple ago, two, but two I know ago. who you're talking yeah, about. Two ago. <laughs> Maybe, uh, Colonel, yeah. Yeah, Colonel Henderson better be careful or he's going to have a little accident in his office. Yeah, that's not going to go well. Uh, yeah, but um, they uh, they're they're so laughably like unconvinced, but like okay, all right, right, so laughably sure. unconvinced. But we do get another looking on right, and he's just pressing on in the woods with no backup <laughs> or radio contact. What is he going to do when he comes across the fire? He's going to take off his jacket and smash it about until it goes out, or. He's going to scream when he's assailed by a bright white light. Yeah. 
and yeah. then he vanishes. Yeah, the old monster cam white flash. Monster POV white flash. It's not bad. I like the shot away when it shows him, and he just winks out of existence. Yep. It's fucking wild. Right in the credits. Yeah, good stuff. Pretty, pretty good intro. Yeah, for sure. Pretty fucking cool. Something's in that woods, not just the burning. There is like something. Obviously, we we get its perspective, um, that very distinct POV shot, and then that whole jargon, the the conspiracy element that this guy's obviously already tuned to. Ah, it's a meteor, then he calls in. I like it. I'm geared up for something yeah. already. Like secrets, conspiracies, and a, a monster that shan't be named. And so cool, right to come out come out from the credits into the like the news yeah, footage. That's slick, man. It's a good I transition. Love that shit. Yeah. It's also a good transition from the news right to our guy, right? Mulder or, or Deep Throat? Well, both. Mulder then Deep Throat. But Toxic Cargo, they're talking evacuation on the news. Toxic Cargo, because that comes back at the end. Mulder uh, goes to see Deep Throat in Cool Flash. I mean, him going to see the guy. Yeah. Yeah, I like it. I uh, He's in this one quite a bit. We get a lot of Deep Throat. He's pretty and, uh, uh, integral to the... Well, to Mulder's career still being alive. Yeah, and we'll come back to it. I really like what they do with them at the end. Me too. But what we learn is that it tracks the man-made objects, that there's this fence, apparently, that reaches into space. It tracks the man-made, now not a chain-link fence, don't get confused, but the fence was breached this morning. Operation Falcon went into effect. Colonel Calvin Henderson Lachance, (laughs) a reclamations (laughs) expert, that's a good word which means he prevented downed aircraft from getting into Soviet hands back in the day. Those grimy little Soviets. (laughs) (laughs) And I guess it's convenient that he just happened to be the officer officer of the day at this random Air Force station in Wisconsin. (laughs) The watch fucking officer at the moment. (laughs) At that moment. Hey, it's fine. It's whatever, right? Deep Throat tells Mulder he has 24 hours before the air is sanitized. Nice euphemism, sir. sanitized now in terms of classic gearing up montages this one falls a little short yeah because it's essentially (laughs) put on a leather jacket and turn your flashlight on and off twice so he's got quite the spelunking gear the infiltration gear the 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 hiking gear is pretty pretty unique and and i'm gonna be honest with you there are cuts of him running through the forest where his little hairs are flopping. He's got his <laughs> he's got his he's got his leather coat zipped all the way up and a backpack on, and I'm certain I'm going to see a bunch of bullies a la a Stephen King film chasing him. Yeah, he, he can't exactly pull off uh I think he could use some advice from one Sterling Archer and go with a tactile neck. A tactile a black neck. Black tactile neck yep. in this situation. Yeah. Yeah, right. One of those where it has like a wool, but then it has like the black kind of, uh, you know, what is that? Like a satin down the shoulders to give you, it looks like a sub commander would wear, right? Sure. Back in the day. Sure. Something. I like it. Give me like something, it. Mulder, because you're running really unsuredly. A parkour <laughs> man you are not. Stick, no. stick to track running, I guess, is my point. And uh, we get this red visible laser Looks fence, cool, dude. Is- I love that. Yeah, I love the laser fence. Why am I a sucker for lasers? <laughs> it's great. It's just cool, man. And uh, he's kind of uh, he's snooping around, seeing the military guys doing their thing. There's a some kind of checkpoint. A bunch of military and, guys doing their thing. Some guys 
Just sort of haphazardly looking into magazines. <laughs> Dude, load, they, they, the way they load a fucking magazine into an M16, it reminds me of the apes in the beginning of 2001. Oh, my when God. They like, <laughs> they're like handling the bone Holy for the first shit, time. Yes. Like, just just realizing that it could be a weapon. You see the one dude just put it in the gun and shoot his friend and like realize the power he now has. Like he will be the ape fucking the apex predator now. There's that looming monolith in the background in the woods. Oh, That's what it was all along. That music comes in. Forget it. Mm. <laughs> nightmare sounds <laughs> well that's not what happens but and i love how oh, i rough you my yeah. you'll like this my notes say soldiers with battle rifles and random amounts of disarray and disassembly <laughs> <laughs> oh shit i took and these. i like how it, it's like okay military like we're gonna have actual camo military dudes in the woods that are all like they have like the exact same gear you're like issued in boot camp that would never actually be used in the field. Sure. That r- ridiculous L shaped flashlight. And uh, <laughs> but the then Vietnam we, flashlight. We, we still <laughs> we still have to bring in the goddamn fucking black on black tag team. Why are they here? And why? They look so dumb. With their with their MP fives and their fucking baseball big puffy hats? vests. In baseball hats. Oh, baseball hat. It's like, dude, wait, but you you don't need these guys. This is like, these are the guys you roll out in the city when there's a thing. Mm-hmm. Like, don't, wouldn't you just use like the other guys that are already here? No, they're not trained for that. This, this, you need their boy. Now, maybe you can help me with this, but them making a big deal of live rounds is kind of nonsense, right? Yeah, unless it's like, unless they literally think it was like a, a training uh, op. A, a drill, like a, a, a drill. training exercise where it's going to be like force on force where they're going to use blanks, okay. but that's, that's a stretch. That's a stretch considering the deployments here. Mm, yeah. Right? Yeah. Okay, uh, but there's going to be a, yeah, he tells them live rounds. You got a problem? No, sir! We were told this was just a drill. Well, you were told wrong. That's what the military does a lot, I'm told. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, Josh, but typically, in the field, what happens is uh, an order comes down from a commander and they go to you and they say, go to this place, here's your thing to do. And then when you get there, they said, remember that whole thing we told you about? That's not what you're going to do. You're going to do this instead. That seems like the most efficient thing on the planet. Well, what you don't want to waste time with, dude, is like like mission briefings and going over the details of like what your task and purpose is. And you, that's, a, that's a complete fucking waste of time. Right. Get in the truck. Drive right? in. Get in there. We got the Blues Brother choreography guy. He's going to show you how to hot hot out of the truck. Right. And, and when you get there, there's going to be some random colonel, and he'll tell you like one or two sentences, and that's all you need to right. know. All right? Go there and take that. That's all. Because they don't really care. I mean, it's because the bad guys are so comically stupid that they could never possibly stand up to- The, the uh, key to empowering your subordinates and mission accomplishment- is giving as little information as possible. <laughs> Keep okay. them in the dark and feed them shit. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Any more than one sentence, okay? Mm-hmm. That is, you are just going to confuse them. Just Very follow simple, your orders, I think, is what you're supposed to say. Very simple creatures, okay? Right. They, they, this, we're running off the Soviet system in this world. It's a good move. You have um, one gun between both of you. If he gets shot, you take gun. 
<laughs> Dude, I was trying to think when Mulder drops out of the bottom of this truck, I'm like, what? Like that definitely made me think of a movie. And I'm like, what is that? Indiana Jones? Like, what am I picturing with like the the hero sneaking into the you know base or whatever it is, like hanging underneath the bottom of a truck? It's definitely something, right? I feel like I saw something in the chat. Maybe help Van me. Van Dam and Arnold both do it, but I could be wrong. Ooh, Arnold like commando kind of move. I feel like it's a commando move. Yeah. That makes sense. But you need the steel drum. Pling, 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 pling. <laughs> but uh, he, uh, oh, he infiltrates, all right, our, our uh, agent Mulder. He's, uh, he's in the woods. It's night now, and there's this uh, another shitty fucking fire team cruises by with their weapons at a unique, unique hold. Yep. And uh, he comes across the scene, though. I do like... I do like his approach to the scene, how they shoot it, how instead of you know us seeing seeing it, we see him approach, we kind of hear the noises in the background that like like those guys spraying down that shit. I love it. The white the white light <laughs> kind of from like off screen hitting Mulder and then Mulder's reaction to what he sees. How you get all that before you actually see the scene itself. Which is cool because that reaction is actually better than what you see. Sure. (laughs) Which is a bunch of fog in a hole in the ground and what looks like some sort of uh, poorly made large kite. (laughs) This is your uh, monolith you've been waiting for. (laughs) This is apparently (laughs) it. Yeah, but he gets bushwhacked, don't he? Because the VC are sneaky. Yeah. They can get... stroke. Yeah. Perk. I love the um, the implications that it always leads to a knockout. I, I just want to see where it doesn't. Like, whack, and the guy falls, Fuck, and then he has ow. to fucking bunny him from, you know, platoon, just over and over again until <laughs> he dies. Uh-oh. Whoops. I think I killed Walter. <laughs> well, as you all, as you know, Dean, yeah. from movie chaos, your, your, right? your heavy review of movies and TV, uh, any kind of... Any kind of stroke with a with a rifle, a pistol, the hilt of a the pommel of a sword, flashlight will render you unconscious until you are uh, ready to be awakened in front of the main antagonist. Right <laughs> until the interrogation time, or exactly. until you're in a vehicle with your hands tied. Thing, <laughs> it's a very very dangerous. There's a lot of potential comas, and certainly a lot of CTE going around in the TV yeah. universe. Yeah. But he is interrogated, right? He's taken to our boy. But who yeah, does he meet? Little, he meets a guy first, yeah? Uh, after, if you're talking about our boy, our boy, Max. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah. Colonel, we get Colonel this ver- first. Very brief. It's not really even an interrogation. He's not looking for any information. Right, right. Actually, so it's it's just like a strict verbal warning? Yeah. I guess. On a federal crime. A chastisement, if you will. Yeah, I guess you're right about that. <laughs> In this fucking mash tent. <laughs> him basically saying you didn't see what you thought you saw you made the biggest mistake of your life federal crime blah 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 kills his uh exposes the photos yeah you don't see that anymore because god forbid somebody saw that fucking middle school paper mache project <laughs> sticking out of a <laughs> hole in the ground with some dry ice around it yep he's making it clear it's a federal crime mm-hmm. and he says we're trying to contain an ecological disaster to which Mulder notes well it's a lot of firepower to uh, to help out old Mother Nature. Hmm. Mulder, being a federal agent, might say, uh, being that you're a 
uniformed military officer, you have no law enforcement jurisdiction <laughs> At inside all. the United States. Yes. <laughs> not only can you not As hold written. me, you certainly can't arrest me. <laughs> no, and absolutely not. <laughs> shouldn't FEMA be on this? I don't know. <laughs> I get him confused. But, you know, Colonel Henderson, man, he's got a... Uh, He's got three things going for him. He's got his orders, his scar, and his sneer. He and he did. applies all of them to Mulder. He does. Mulder's not convinced. In but the cage. Yeah, he throws him in the cage. This guy's really set up. I mean, what a deployment he's done here. This is all on Hold, site. He's got a whole Ford operating place here. Yeah. Just think about the gear list, like, had to prep. Like, Good th- Lord. So there's a, there's a seven-ton just loaded up with chain-link <laughs> fence sections just in case we have to detain somebody? Fuck. Fuck, man. Well, you know, the aliens, this is so they can put the mommies in one cage and the kids in the other, right? Oh, oh I see. <laughs> I see hey. what we're doing. Oh, hey, oh. Topical humor. Nobody cares in three years, but they will because they always do it. Um, Max Fenning. Yeah, and this guy. Oh, wait, this Pop-Up is... Mulder going live rounds. Come on, stop <laughs> yeah. it with the live rounds. Fuck it. This guy, man, Max Fennig, is <sighs> such an iconic character. He is. For someone that has, he's in two other episodes, and I was like, yeah, yeah, I know he comes back. And I totally forgot, man. I, I looked it up. Season four. Fucking season four. No shit. Yeah, it's a long time from now, and he ends up dying, uh, quote-unquote, maybe, in a plane crash. There's a whole thing. But um, he really is a very iconic character, and I think he foreshadows We have some great comments in the Facebook page. There was a lot of talk that came off this episode, actually. Um, <clears throat> but a lot of talk about Max. A lot of people mentioned Max and kind of that the role he plays is that that scruffy, you know, uh, conspiracy, very much like a foreshadower of the um, what do you call him there? Lone gunman. Yeah, for right? sure. That's big that's, part of that. That's a huge part of it. Um, let me see if I can uh, just grab a real quick one here from uh, Carmelita Valdez McCoy. While we're on the topic, uh, I love Max Fennig. I think he's an absolute sweetheart. Even if the enigmatic Sc- Agent Scully dismisses him as a total whack job, in another life, one where Mulder isn't an agent and never meets Scully, he and Max could have been hetero life mates. Believe that, indeed. Yeah. <clears throat> so Max is um, he is definitely a big part of a trend of characters we'll see in in X Files throughout the show. Be they professors, be they the lone gunman, the guys that are kind of they're always smart. They're always kind of scruffy, anti-establishment kind of people. Um, they always know a little bit more than they should and always gets their ass in trouble. Right. Either from aliens or from men in black. Sure. Yeah. And uh, their conversation kind of goes that way, doesn't it? Yeah. What do you think about Mulder here? Like, so... <laughs> <laughs> so, I guess... He kind of stonewalls him at first, right? Well, he mm-hmm. asks Mulder who he is. He wonders what random acronym group he is in, right? He's clearly into conspiracy. He's with something called NICAP. Mulder says nothing. Max says plenty. And then asks Mulder if he saw anything, and Max just says nothing. Got pinched, just got beyond the roadblock. Max calls it a Roswell cover-up. Mulder asks him why he's so sure, and Max tells Mulder that, if, that it's the same thing that makes him, Mulder, so sure, Right? Isn't yeah. that kind of the gist of the conversation? 
Yeah, that's about it. Is, it's is almost... It, go ahead. It's 95% Max talking. Sure. Is it? But it's Mulder almost has like this, this guy's fucking nuts kind of reaction at first. And I'm like, is he... Are, are you that much better than this guy just because you have a fucking badge in your back I was pocket? wondering about that. Is, is he testing the veracity of his claims and making him kind of prove himself a little? Or do you just think he's uh, kind of in a mood because Colonel Henderson <laughs> bagged him? Maybe he's just being a frump. <laughs> yeah, he's a little dismissive. Um, For sure. But there is a, don't want to skip past it, this is the first time the trust no one is uttered, and it is by Max Fennig. Indeed. Which is pretty cool. Good stuff. Um, but embarrassingly for Mulder, some time passes, and who shows up? <sighs> Mommy. Can, can you just imagine getting the call? <laughs> okay. You get the call that he is been apprehended at what you're hearing is a toxic waste accident, an environmental disaster. He showed up in Wisconsin (laughs) without orders, right? He didn't have the form as we learned at the end of the app, and got arrested or detained, because you can't arrest him legally, detained by the colonel in charge of the operation because he was skulking around the toxic wastes malady that is in the woods that's all I'm over the be, news <laughs> trying to be a superhero trying to get fucking superpowers fuck that phone call poor, yeah. poor scully you know that that's brutal so she hops like a, a red eye right to out of dulles to fucking milwaukee and then a rent a car out to towns in wisconsin cool and you've been arrested josh now you're being told <laughs> That McGrath wants your fucking ass. Your career, Josh, may be over because of whatever you're doing here on top of the other 10 episodes or whatever the fuck. Yeah. And now you're Scully, right? You're, you just got that phone call. You just took that flight and that drive and you're here to deliver that news and you get this flippant motherfucker mm-hmm. making jokes. Yeah. Making jokes yeah. about room service. Did you really? meet Max? Max is from NICAP. Oh, they must have released Max. How about, thank you, I'm sorry, I'm a piece of shit, you're awesome. <laughs> <laughs> no. Thanks for bailing me out, Mom. Yeah. It's rough. He thinks it's funny. Uh, Mulder calls it a highly classified lie that, he's being, that they're being told. Because she says, um, there's a derailed train, okay, um, Scully isn't happy, of course. She agrees, but says it wasn't UFO either. She calls it a down Libyan jet filled with nuclear warhead, which Mulder thinks is funny, and then I actually think is really funny. The Libyan jet? Yes. With the nuclear weapon in it? That reached American o- airspace. Not, not just American airspace. Wisconsin, Wisconsin? airspace? <laughs> Dude, that's an X-File in and of itself. What are you in league with the Canadian resistance groups? <laughs> Got yourself a Romulan cloaking device, do you? Because that is one of the worst cover-ups. The meteor's better. It's way better. The meteor is so a meteor that zigzags like the fucking magic bullet through JFK's body through the sky is a way better, way better cover-up than a, a Libyan jet with a nuclear according weapon. According to my to my tech tree. On my Civ Five game, Libya put all their points in religion. They haven't even discovered flight yet. So, 
Is that a shit lord kind of joke? But no, yeah, uh, it's, it's outrageous that A would make it across the Atlantic. Okay. Yeah. I mean, dudes. Uh, it's crazy. Or that they have a nuclear weapon? <laughs> that too. <laughs> it, what was its flight path? I mean, I'm not a pilot. Drink. Right? But Libya, let's look at Libya on a map because this is too got, fun not to. It's, it's got the range. It, maybe it literally is a B 2 South bomber. Because you're talking, I don't know, it is ballpark in my head, maybe 6,000 miles. It had to fly over Algeria. As the Libyan fighter jet flies. Maybe over Spain, depending on its route. But mm. let's just say it flies west. Would it be faster to fly the other way? No, probably go west to the U.S. Real far. That's far. Real stretch. And Scully doesn't seem, she's like, this is classified information. <laughs> Yeah. That's this is maybe my biggest stretch from Scully's perspective. Correct. She's like that. Listen. Scully would even entertain such nonsense, <laughs> right? Whatever. She's probably like it's probably not a Libyan jet. It's probably a governmental fuck up. In either case, I don't care and I want to go home. Right? Yeah. Hey, for sure. Just say it's one of our experimental aircraft that crashed. Right. And let it with, go. with a nuke. Say whatever. Sure. Say it's a yeah, yeah. American plane went down with a nuke. That's happened before. Yes. In reality, yep. Pilot's okay. He ejected. It's fine. Yeah, but we got a nuke down there. They don't know if the housing is cracked. They're getting traces of radiation. That's a good fucking excuse. Sure. Yeah. A Libyan. Li- Libyans, what are you watching too much Back to the Future? <laughs> fucking got that shit from Doc Brown. <laughs> a VW bus with an RPG, son. <laughs> oh, shit. What year was that? 88? They fucking <laughs> made a quick turnaround <laughs> to get that thing fucking live damn, in dude. deployment. Well. Impressive. He... She gets him out of there because, right. Sure. Invisible yeah. creature look in, yeah? Yeah. It's, it's, this is our first from actual, <clears throat> quote unquote, look at the thing. It's testing the limits of the laser perimeter. Yep. And I think. <laughs> and by testing the limits, I mean why running keeps, right through it. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. It's testing it like a dog test an invisible fence. Like, oh, this thing's beeping at me. But if I just run through it, it won't stop me. It'll just kind of like buzz for a yeah, second. Yeah, exactly. And then I won't come back. Ever. And that's and that's how you get your dog hit by a car. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or your alien oh, your outbreak alien. into an urban area. Back to the budget motel they go. Now, you know me, pal. There's nothing I like more than getting back to your place and it's been tossed. Mm. The immediate feeling of violation and imminent danger is so palpable in these scenes in film and TV. Are they still there? What were they looking for? Who are they? Are they watching me now? What was their mission? It's awesome. So many questions yeah. pop up as a result of getting back to your hotel and it being tossed. And then what if you hear a fucking noise in the back of the hotel room? Absolutely. Guns out. Guns out. Can I interrupt real quick? Please. Fucking and pat myself heavily on the back okay. as I dislocate my shoulder. Danny Falch, 5,700 miles. From Libby to Wisconsin, fucking said six thousand out of my ass. That's pretty good. Yeah, that's pretty good. Perhaps you're a Libyan spy. <laughs> well, <laughs> but um, yeah, they do hear a noise, guns out. Um, and uh, what do they find in the bathroom window? Beep beep. <laughs> couple scrawny legs flopping out the window like a. Like a six-year-old boy trying to get out of your daughter's bedroom. Indeed. Yep. 
And they yank him back in. And, uh, well, apparently he's been following Mulder's career, this Max. I like that. I really... So cool. I love this whole interaction. I love how Max knows Mulder, how he's like a, a cult hero to these people. And Mulder is like, cool. kind of like, how would you know that? How do you know? I wrote that. That was under a pseudonym. He's like, yeah, it was an anagram for, for Fox Mulder. <laughs> you know, whatever he says. <laughs> MF Lutter. <laughs> <laughs> the worst. <laughs> but I like Mulder's reaction because he's like, you know, Max is like, do you really think that would fool us? And Mulder's like, I didn't think anybody was paying attention. Great response. You know? One of the best it's lines so, of the episode. Yeah. Yep. And and the that great line, the enigmatic. You must be the yes. enigma, enigmatic Dr. Scully. Yes. Great. You want to see something amazing? Come with me. <laughs> yeah. He's got quite the trailer, this this man. Um I, is, that, is that an airstream? I don't know. I'm not I don't have the proficiency in that. <laughs> not a not a trailer park guy? No, not really. Drink. I mean, I spent some time in them once in a while, like in the day, but I don't know they are, their their terms, but that's pretty. Well, I just mean that like cool, like rounded old look. You oh, know what I mean? oh uh, yeah, maybe. Is that a design thing? I don't Somebody's know. going to have to help me out on that one. I don't know, but it does look cool. I'll give it that. And yes, you know, now that you mentioned it, it does kind of have an old school look to it. The rounded design. Right. What's Scully do here that's cool though? Right to the fucking peeping around. Yeah. Scully's got doubts yeah. about Mr. Nightcap. Um, wow what a stretch (laughs) what a stretch why why would she think a man that was incarcerated by the military that she wholeheartedly believes is competent why would she ever think this guy's anything other than a fucking kook she knows Mulder that's her kook but two of kooks she just can't abide (laughs) right and and can you blame her so she starts looking around and she starts taking in some sights Josh talk to me about those sights well, she's looking around at just the general craziness, which, to be completely honest, doesn't look all that different than Mulder's office. So yeah, it's kind of kind of cool, actually. <laughs> if I'm, okay, if I'm to be honest, the biggest difference is the medication, the the shelf of medication, right? And I like that you know nothing is said about it, but it comes back later. But you just see like, okay, you have multiple prescriptions here, and she's a doctor, so you know she's looking at him, being like, I know, okay, I know what this is. This is yeah. Um, and, uh, Mulder is kind of, he's like, it's almost like a, like a reaction with a little brother kind of entertains Max. He's like, okay, all right, let's get to the point. Let's get to the point. And he shows him the, whatever the fucking wolf ear 9,000. Yeah. Uh, that piece of radio surveillance gear. Not, not real, but, but cool. I mean, that gear is real what they're showing you, but it's, I was like, was, was that a thing? The wolf ear? That's a cool name for it. Oh yeah, but yeah. I couldn't find. It. Yeah, but uh, it's pretty it capable. is cool what they, yeah, what they pick up is something interesting. A hundred channels it can search and intercept per second, uh, which is impressive. He's been listening quite a bit, and yes, mm. what do they hear? They hear deputy rights call. Then they yep. hear thirty-five minutes later. I think is is the sub subtext here. Man down. Request medevac. A man. And then it gets real panicky, mm. like an ongoing situation. And this is cool too. And this is great because like you hear Deputy Wright thing and you're like, okay, great, right back to the beginning. And then they give you a little bit more. Yes. You're like, oh, fuck me. Like what the hell happened out there? Indeed. Yep. Well, we don't know what happened out there, but we do know that the stakes are being raised. Well, 
kind of. They're being raised in a way that some of these conspiratorial episodes raise them. It's by introducing the shadowy tendrils of the higher powers, right? Because we see Colonel making a call, Colonel a chance, and uh, he's making a call to some higher powers, promising that this thing he's involved with, Josh, I promise you, will not get out of hand. Not this time. <laughs> sure. So he says. Ooh. I like that. <clears throat> yeah. All right. It, it shows that this isn't the first time, I guess. Right. That's what it's showing us. It's not the first time, and um, this isn't, this is, I mean, if you stop and think about the situation, you know that this goes beyond the colonel. But if you're kind of just in the midst of the episode, you're just not thinking that way. You're like, no, this yeah. goes far beyond this guy. Of course. Sure. Yeah, I, do. I like that. Um, and meanwhile, <laughs> Mulder and Scully take a different tact here. They head out to kind of the only string they have to pull. Now, after getting that from from Max, is Deputy Wright. Mm-hmm. And, okay, who knows about this? So they go and find his family, his wife and his son, out at a evacuation center. That's right. So and this scene was jarring for me. And it made me, it, a light bulb went off in this moment. And I thought, wow. So the scale of this, which seems small because it's shot for TV, suddenly gets much larger when they show us the displaced families as a result of what they call, they're calling a train derailment. I thought this scene worked well to put the episode in scope for me. Like, wow, yeah. these people are displaced from this. Holy shit. I mean, we saw the evacuations on the TV, but it's on TV. And we're like, eh, okay. But this really made me feel like, wow, this is a, a large scale, must be, at this point, a national news story. That's a good point. Kinda and cool, that's a good right? way... Yeah, and that's a great, clever way to do that, to give you that feeling with a small TV budget. Right, exactly. Yep. So, so Because you, you can't show, like, you know, a highway with right. a thousand yeah. vehicles running down it and, like, a, a fucking massive fly refugee over. center. Right. <laughs> yeah. like, get the helicopter shot, the what? Go fuck yeah. yourself, the <laughs> helicopter shot. So what's the uh, dialogue that goes down here? Well, she's extremely combative at first. Sure. They try to approach her and don't necessarily blame her like but at first when you see her you're kind of i think you know it's hard to remember back having you know been a long time since i saw it the first time but i think maybe you might be initially surprised at like oh she already knows her husband is dead sure right like she's already literally aware not just assuming she knows he's dead doesn't want to talk about it doesn't want to talk about it Mulder kind of, they kind of press a little bit, but it's more Scully's pressing. When she talks about, like, Scully kind of plays the empathy card, and I don't mean playing it in a disingenuous way. She takes that approach and, you know, finally kind of cracks through that shield, and she's like, listen, they won't even let me see the body. I can't even give them a proper burial. And, and Scully, she's like, they, they cannot do that. The government cannot do that. Right. And then immediately cues her to be like, listen, I, I'm not going to fight this. I, and Scully talks about the truth. And she says, I can't afford the truth. Right. Right? They, threaten, they threaten to take away her pension, the people mm-hmm. that came to her. And you're like, whoa. Yep. That is that cloak and dagger shit. Yep, that's hardcore. And it could have just, yeah, it's hardcore. And in this, so it's an interesting middle of the episode, isn't it? Which is to increase the scale of this. 
by showing us that, introducing the cloak and dagger, pension-threatening element, and then the follow-up after the colonel scene is the hospital. But we'll talk about the colonel scene first, which is these guys getting fucking picked up, right? (laughs) This is where we really get the... We get to see why the tag team was brought in, why their... Their competence? Their competence in dealing with this kind of threat in the situation is, is warranted. This can't be handled by any kind of military force. Right. You need guys that can roll in there with a couple pistols or a couple submachine guns that they can randomly flag each other with mm-hmm. and uh, meander with a spooked tone of voice through a <laughs> parking garage. <laughs> Uh, nothing says competence like pants shitting vocal tours. (laughs) Oh, this Alpha 2, I don't see anything. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Really? And I guess this is the, uh, it's confusing to use the word predator because you do have like the thermal vision, which makes you think of the movie Predator. Of course. But then you have an alien that has like a cloaking device, which is very much like Predator. So the term predator is very confusing mm. to be used in this episode because there's a lot of predatory kind of stuff. <laughs> it's like somebody saw a predator a long time ago, like way before they wrote this episode. And was just like, yeah, yeah, it's the one where like the dudes can see like thermal. Yeah. Exactly. And it's the only way to see the alien because he's got like a cloaking device. <laughs> it's a rewrite. It's a reboot. It's a reboot. Sounds like some of the music in this, right? Yeah. yeah that's cool. Man. Um, but it, it is cool. The, the best parts are when they're back at Colonel Henderson's perspective and like his spotter there, the guy that's looking. And, and when he's saying like, you know, the creature, the figure is here or there and it's in, in re- relation to where the tag team is or later on where Mulder and Max are and that they're unaware of it, if, it, if it's proximity. That's fucking yeah, cool. Yeah, that's, that's like, an alien's callback kind of. Yeah. It's in the two meters, man. Yeah. It's inside the room. He's like, yeah. He's like, it can't be. You're fucking reading it wrong. He's like, look, right. That when Hicks is like, you're reading it wrong. Give me the thing. And then yeah. when he confirms it, you're like, oh no, you're <laughs> the sailing. But- <laughs> <laughs> Game over, man. So Game good. over. So good. And these guys get fucking they get smoked. Yeah, not not so elite. I mean, <laughs> to come to find it's out, it's a light show before they promptly are burned to death. All of them. Come to find out, glad none of those guys with battle rifles were there to, like, you know, mount a thermal sight onto that weapon <laughs> and shoot it. Nah, let's let's sit in the back with a thermal sight and send people in with pistols. Close in on it, because we know <laughs> nothing about it. That seems to be the move. Yeah. Um, so, this is cut back to Mulder and Scully pulling the thread on the next lead. Dr. Oppenheim. Are you serious it, with this name? What? Is that his name? 100 fucking percent. <laughs> Brutal. Why? I don't know. <laughs> what the fuck? Why would you? Why would Who you make ironically that says I hate fascists. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's a, this is hilarious. That's a, that's a, hmm. 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 Interesting. I don't know about that choice. Yeah, they're just being funny. I don't know what they're doing, but they do go see him, right? Yeah. Yeah, they do. Um, and he gives them kind of standard rap here yeah. at first. Like, hey, it's, that's patient confidentiality. I can't talk about that. You've been gotten to, Mulder accuses. Very accusatory. He wonders what they threatened to take away. The doctor hates fascists, despite being named Oppenheimer. Then he claims men came in and pushed everyone around. They bullied us. I hate bullies even more than fascists, Mulder. Well, what happened? Well, these people were burned. Unique burns like nothing I'd ever seen. 
So Scully and Oppenheim talk forensics for a minute. Mulder asks about ionizing radiation. The doctor says, well, it's possible. Right? Yeah, yeah. They're talking about fifth and sixth degree burns. Yeah, that's no joke. Which is actually, I was like, that's bullshit. That was, that's not real. Did a little digging. Is real. Did you look at some of the images? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Crispy critters. Six degree burns is charring of the bone. That's, uh... <clears throat> yeah. And the reason you don't hear a lot about, like, fourth to six degree burns from what I was reading is that, in general, they're like almost always fatal. So sure, it's not like sure. a, there's, there's no treatment. So it's just like a descriptive of like how crispy is this critter? Got it. It's more right. of like a cooking, cooking measurement than it is. Yeah. Like medium well or well done. It doesn't really matter. Yeah. That animal is definitely dead. You would go fifth if you want a real charred piece of bone. Right. Yeah. Fifth, fifth is um, like a, a warm gray center. Sixth is, just just dark and hot throughout. So a sixth-degree hot dog, for example, is, mm-hmm. you're telling me, perfection. Ugh, Off the grill, that's, that that's crispy that, outside, in that no, warm, that's like juicy black. middle. Oh, it's black? Oh, then, then yeah, fifth-degree, you're saying. So fifth-degree, you want it warm and juicy with that kind of crisp around the outside. I think fifth still has some black crackling. Fourth, if you're talking hot dogs, you want a fourth-degree hot dog. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's what, because you got to get the grill burns on. That. The, that is, yeah, that is seared um, with with a nice kind of like it's a little bit of a crunch when you bite into that skin, mm-hmm. but not actually blackened at all. But if you go to pick up, say, the Delta Team leader here, <laughs> Delta you team might burn leader. your hands right off. I mean, you could probably Correct. get second degree burns from touching the six degree burned bones. You want to put them on the side of the parking garage for five minutes or so to cool before you serve them to guests. All right. That makes sense. I think. Yeah. I would, I think I like, you want to definitely get them on the top rack at least for a while. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, not indirect heat. (laughs) He needs indirect heat. (laughs) Well, they leave. Scully suggested. Uh, Well, on the way out, they kind of bump into something, don't they? Right. Well, Scully suggested the burns like this may have been caused. Oh, by the men coming in. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, by the <laughs> dozens of military and multiple casualties coming through the door. <laughs> oh my god, dude! The fuck you face that Henderson gives, dude. super aggressive. Yep, should have been you, Gordy. <laughs> <laughs> that is exactly what that face. It so is. <sighs> oh boy. Uh, when yeah, okay, can can. Can we talk about Henderson's entrance? Yeah, into the hospital? Yeah. Yeah, sure. I want Please. you to look carefully at his hands place, his hands being placed behind his back. Oh, do you want to hear what fifth degree burns sound like, Josh? <laughs> yeah. Here we go. Let me, let, me, let me cue this up for you. Wait, where is it? Do I not have it? Oh, fuck it. I'll do it later. I just want to see his hands. All right. Go to, do you have the episode on? Uh, I have it right here. Paused. Dude, watch him walk in. With the hands behind the back. Dude. And the, like the staring, rotating face. Like the locked hands eyes. hands behind his back. It's, yeah. he's walking so fast with the hands behind his back <laughs> that it's actually dangerous should he trip. <laughs> yeah. He might. He will fuck. smash your face. He will be in the goddamn yard getting his nose fixed. Yeah, there's no moving parade rest that is not a proper... <laughs> 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 
Upper formation. God, he's really cruising. <laughs> he is just a just a walking, talking trope mobile. He's guy. so in charge of himself that he's got his <laughs> hands behind his back as he enters the scene. It's really funny. I bet his family life is super duper. Yeah, his kids must be wicked happy. <laughs> wicked happy. Really loved and accepted. <laughs> Did you know that the third man, the second man behind him was a radio operator? Like his big <laughs> antenna flopping around. I don't know what he's doing there. But yeah, well, they're all there. They're all there. The whole team, everybody goes. I do like what I like about this uh, sequence right after it is in the ER. Okay. Right, when we actually jump back and <clears throat> Mulder's being like way too confrontational to this colonel who <laughs> just fucking arrested him like 12 hours ago. And, uh, but then he tosses him out and the doctor, like, this is his little moment to shine. He, he already got his pee pee crushed by this guy and he's like, he's like negative. Yeah. Scully is a, medical doctor she's staying and henderson is like no like <laughs> i say what's up and he really stands up for him he puffs out his little chest he does he's like and he's like i'm in charge down here scully has medical experience she smells really nice she stays i think he said that yeah but yeah you're right he, he does stand up to it yeah i like it it's his little moment it's oppenheimer's big moment to shine yeah that and you know that thing in the desert <laughs> that thing in the desert Oh, shit, man. And he has to resort to like, okay, well, I'll just kick out Mulder because that, that feels fun too. That's the move. Yeah. Yeah, I fucked, yep. up that, uh, I fucked up that sound clip, huh? What about now? Let's see if we can hear it now. Ready? Go. <laughs> I had, you know why? Because I, yeah, you hear that? You don't want to hear that because then people, that's people texting. <laughs> no. That's the worst sound ever. But here, no. have a listen. No, I can't do it. There's way too much chatting going on. You guys are talking too much. It's not going to work. Oh, you're getting it from the yeah, uh, chat. Yeah, I'm getting it from the chat like that. Do 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 do. Every time somebody literally types a message. Yeah. Anyway, um, they got to get out of here. Well, he get he gets kicked out by the the colonel. It's like you're out of here. You're out. But Oppenheim keeps his uh, he big he big dicks the colonel, and then Mulder. Yeah, he does. So Mulder goes to see Max. Max is yeah. doing real well. <laughs> and Mulder. Um, He's having what they'd call in the 50s a fit. (laughs) Yes, and Mulder applies his 50s first aid (laughs) and physically restrains him. (laughs) 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 The best thing to do, if you come across somebody having a seizure, put Mm. them in a WWF hole. Yeah, camel clutch for sure. (laughs) You want to lock them (laughs) so that they may do the most damage to their own body. Pin the hand. Uncontrolled fit. Put your put your fing, put your four fingers firmly on his esophagus and hope. <laughs> just hope and pray that he kills himself so you don't have to pay for this. But it's sad to see poor Max all disheveled. Yeah. Yeah. He's uh Yeah, it's kinda it's it's a bummer, man. As he comes out of it, he doesn't even recognize Mulder at first. It's uh mm. very disconcerting. Mm. And how he's like that's impossible. I couldn't I couldn't have been having a seizure. And not just like a like in a very recognizing way. Yes. And you immediately find out, Since right? Since he that was he, 10, he's been having them. Yep. Doctor said, for, they couldn't figure out why. Perhaps it was a head injury. But um, yeah, he notes that when he does enter him, I guess he goes into a bit of a fugue state. Arriving at places, he isn't sure how he got to him. But apparently, mm-hmm. his medication hasn't had an episode in years. 
Yeah. And he doesn't want to go to the hospital. Yeah. He, he becomes very cognizant quickly and gets, gets a sleepy spell real fast. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know. I thought, I thought Mulder slipped him a roofie because he seemed like he was fine. Mulder gives him a drink and then he's like, ah, I got I to gotta go to bed. I'm tired. He lies down. He's out immediately. Mulder just starts loading up his trucks with all this guy's books. <laughs> all this all this takes the fucking wolf ear 3000 hell out. yeah give me the wolf ears man <laughs> get the wolf ears guys got a bunch of friends with him you want this alien f- book mold of course <laughs> get all of them what we do here see is that scar behind his ear which mm. i remember like every time i always think it's like a brand at first because it's so raised yeah exactly you know very distinctly raised um but we immediately cut to molder Apparently, he brought his entire filing cabinet <laughs> with him, which is nice because <laughs> he can look through it and find a couple other cases yep. um, as Scully returns from a long night at the office. Yeah, she had a rough go, but uh, Mulder tells Scully that Max is an alien abductee. That's great. <laughs> that's what, that's, that's awesome. what she wants to hear right now. Yeah. She was just about to take her dad on you. Now you got to give her this <laughs> antipsychotic medication, Mulder. Come on. But just look at the scar. Please, Scully, I beg you. Will you do that? And it's so crazy, like, from, from, from Scully's perspective. Like, okay, so what? Exactly. Your career in your entire career's work is about to be ended. All these people are dying, you know, out, out there from this crazy thing that's going on. Yes, I'd like to know more about it, but everything you've worked for, is is about to go up in flames, but he's so single minded focused that, in in his perspective, like no, what he's been putting everything for is like this one chance. He's willing to risk everything that he has, his career, the X Files, for the one chance to, to confirm the thing he's been hunting for. Right? Indeed, fucking alien proof. Yep. Yeah. Super. And she's like, all right, we'll take a quick look on the way to the Air Force. Yeah. She, I mean, she, the she keeps reiterating that. I like it. I mean, she's just, well, you know, dealing with horrific burns and death and sending people to burn units at John Hopkins. But uh, I'll look at your scars. Do you think she was tempted to, like, pocket a few of those antipsychotic meds and slip them in Mulder's fucking morning she, coffee? She should have started dosing him. I think it would have changed <laughs> the show dramatically. Here's a trope. <laughs> yeah. Here's an here's a under-the-car trope. 1991 version of Cape Fear, Max Cady, of course, played by De Niro, ties himself to the bottom of Sam Bowden's car, causing them to take him directly to their boathouse. <laughs> Creepy. <laughs> There's got to be a few more, though, right? Yeah. There's got to be. I feel like yeah. I saw Rambo or Conan do it. Or Co- Com- Some- not Conan, no cars. Commando. Somebody, somebody with camel paint on their face fucking dropped out of the bottom of the truck. Yeah, 100%. Well then, but uh, yeah, they take a peek. Nobody at home. Nobody at home. And Max a trailer. Flash traffic. Flash traffic. This time it's a bigger craft, says radar operator, or rather meteor. She's corrected. A m- much larger meteor. Yeah. It the uh, the meteor is hovering <laughs> over a small I town. I love in the shit eating. Still don't get that expression. The shit eating grin on her face mm-hmm. when she says it hovers. <laughs> And that's the kind of insubordination and lack of discipline you get in the Air Force. That's right. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> a much larger meteor, sir. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then Mulder, 
the radio call that he hears that, that cues them off when they're in Max's van is about a an unidentified trespass. Right. Seems like seems like that could be a lot of things that aren't worth risking your entire career over. <laughs> like the logical leap that that's Max is enormous. It's enormous. <laughs> like somebody's in a warehouse by the docks and oh, it's got to be Max. Got to be Max. Got to it, be it's Max. It's not teenagers fucking. Surely. <laughs> no. It's not bums going in there to like <laughs> blow somebody for a fucking a crack rock. That's right. Definitely not. Not that. It's no. not it's definitely not a it's definitely not a man um it's definitely not a <laughs> It's definitely not a man cheating on his wife, you know. <laughs> no, for sure. I don't know what it is, but apparently it's Max. It is Max. Uh Mulder what he talks about is the coincidence of Max being in this town, which I do love that they hit on. That's something every time I watch this episode, I'm like, oh yeah, that is cool that that's a, a thing because it is silly. You think like, okay, wait, he was in this town when he heard the distress call. Like, so this random NICAP conspiracy nut is driving around Wisconsin and just happened to hear this call. Indeed. But then the fact that it gets turned on its head and it's Mulder saying, no, no, no. They came here because of Max. Right. That's a very cool, cool twist. Very cool. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Danny Falch, I didn't think of this. The docks in a landlocked county. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I don't know. Danny Falch really knows his fucking Wisconsin shit. I, I don't know if he's from there. but he said, Well, he also noted the size of the parking garage for a town of 900. <laughs> sure. <laughs> that better, That's literally everybody parks their car there. It better be a fucking hospital. Or something. Yeah. Um but yeah, that that I do like that twist. That's the the how that kind of turns things on its head. Yeah. They uh they gotta they go to the uh the trailer to find the blood spot that we saw from a moment ago. <clears throat> sure. Little ear bleed. Yeah. Oh yeah, we we forgot to mention whatever that pred- predator or monster POV yep. coming no, through to no, look at. And you know, no a, a spot of blood on the pillow, it's not even prom night, Josh. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Yikes. You boy. Sorry. You boy. Um, yeah. But to the docks, they are going to go. And there's soldiers just rolling around everywhere on Jeeps. With M60s mounted on them. Probably could have used those in the parking garage. <laughs> <laughs> Most likely would have just killed their own men. <laughs> True. <laughs> but Max is there, bloody ear. The MPs called and- Falcon Patrol. Well, it is Operation Falcon. Well, the Falcon Patrol is looking for uh, <laughs> those scallywag falcons flying around. Falcon Patrol. Looking, we uh, spotted Baby Bird. Baby Bird <laughs> is in sight. Well, And Henderson is like, they're like, ah, it's just a civilian. And Henderson's like, negative. Approach with extreme caution. <laughs> Be terrified. Kill them accidentally. And then uh, cut to fourth degree hot dogs. Indeed. Well, uh, as Mulder and Scully roll up hmm. on those just smoking bodies, they find Max. They do Poor find Max. Max. He's hysterical. He's saying it hurts over and over again, right? Yeah. They rush to the screams in the warehouse. That's what tipped him off. He's touching behind his ear, and then we hear the helicopters coming in hot. Um, he says they're coming for him, of course. Lots of military show up, like a lot. Yeah. A real lot. <laughs> Like the entire Guys operation just running around too. It's my favorite. Oh yeah, that's that. That's that Blues Brothers um, action choreography. Sure. Just, just 
dudes with guns just run through the background and like anywhere there's any kind of like stare, uh, just kind of start lining up and post up and, and aim your rifle at something towards towards the middle. Everybody aim towards the middle. Right. Perfect. Looks good. Sharp, sharp. Get in the roofs. Now, get in the roofs. Did I miss something here? Because if I didn't, it's really funny. Um, oh, oh, Mulder. I did. Mulder says, keep them out of here. Because I thought to myself, I, I missed that dialogue until I'm watching it as we speak. <laughs> Why Scully walks out? I was like, she just has had enough. <laughs> right? She's like, I'm out here. You can detain me. I'm going back to DC. Yeah. But no, she went to run interference and surrenders immediately because she's sculling with that smart. Yeah. Yeah. What's, what's your other option there? Well, you, I don't know because clearly, let me ask you something, Josh. <clears throat> now, you have a warehouse door. You know that you can probably just lift the door open because it's kind of a rundown dock. Or you could do the following. Lift the door open, A. B, you could try a different entrance if you're not sure you can lift it open. Or C, put C4 on it and blow it up. Dude, the best part of that is that Scully walks out of a man door right next to that garage door. And they're like, mm, okay, that door's probably booby trapped. Yeah. We should blow we open this We can't trust this door. FBI agent. <laughs> can't trust it. <laughs> Clearly. Yeah, it's fucking, it's great. Oh, it's great. <laughs> it's, it's so silly. Um, you know what I do like in X-Files? I think um, this is something that we can talk about a little bit in Final Thoughts. There's, there's for sure some inconsistency in how mythology is dealt with and and what what aliens are really part of mythology and what aren't as far as races and how they deal with people but there's a lot of times when the alien abduction isn't sometimes it is terrifying and sometimes isn't sometimes it's more like a this kind of weird almost semi-peaceful kind of thing yep but i really dig max's like fucking terror me too like mind-numbing terror in this moment Really kind of raises the stakes. I like it a lot. And 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 Mulder being so panicked and, and doing everything, I think, in his mind, he can like try to protect him, but it's so beyond his ability. Mm. A credit to uh, Scott Bellis, I would say. The man, the the man actor who plays, that plays. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's good, man. He's really good. Yep. <clears throat> but uh, what happens now? We see some thermal vision. The guys are being deployed in a way I don't quite understand. Well, and they're using like apparently Greek like the Alpha and the Omega and you know, fucking whatever. <laughs> sure, Alpha Team, Omega Team, yeah, yep, just, Beta, Zeta. Omega sure. sounds cooler. It sounds great. <laughs> and uh the, the the coolest part of this though is when that spotter dude's like, I got three figures inside the building and Scully's like, What? Right. That's awesome. Having just walked out. And the shot of it is great. Yeah. She's like the guy's calling out as I got uh, two are pr- uh, proximate to each other, uh, one approaching from 40 meters. Yeah. And you see that figure. And it's cool. The figure is, it's always kind of quasi-humanoid, but also very animal in how it moves sure. when you see it in the thermal vision. That's fucking awesome. Yeah. Yep. And, uh, yeah, that's what they're seeing. And then it gets a little goofier when you have to show it kind of in person, when that blurry thing just walks up and, cattle prods builder over a pallet <laughs> right or whatever right but 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 your boy levitating is awesome yes cool shot yep coming back that's to right Cross, after Mulder gets whacked right 
Yeah, Mulder he kind of stumbles he, towards him. Yep, comes to and he's in that blue. And that is definitely that in the that the thermal vision, whatever predator, and the and the the monster cam. Those are the three visuals that definitely stick with me the most from this episode. Yeah. Um, him and just a single image is him suspended. I use that for the episode tag and the Facebook page, him suspended in that blue awesome. light. Yeah. And like tweaking, you know, kind of like having that same seizure yeah. while locked in this floating light of the vortex and then just fucking gone, gone. And they make a good choice not to like, not to show him like vaporize into nothingness. Right. I think so. But too. to have the spotter say, I only got one figure. And then that guy that's been waiting all this time to fucking blow up that warehouse door gets his chance. And then they arrest Mulder. <laughs> sure. Again. Without jurisdiction again. Yeah, of course. Habeas corpus something. Habeas corpus. Um, they uh, they get to him first. They beat us, Colonel. Says Mulder. Yeah, us. Yes, about that. Interesting. Mm. And... Uh, Cut to the office of professional review. Responsibility hearings. Mm -hmm. Was Mulder assigned to investigate, Scully? Mm. No, sir. Do you know about his Form 302 to requests, you know, the following laundry list of expenses? (laughs) No, sir. Okay. Well, did Mulder drive a blue Ford Taurus? Yes, sir. Okay. Well, all right. We're we're done (laughs) here. (laughs) <laughs> that's it can, can i say fucking anything three no. questions the fuck out okay. i mean they knew he was dunzos here they were gonna roast yeah. him fifth degree roasting yeah they got that great like that that kubrick cam oh, it's, it's, scene. it's great yeah I that's that the was awesome. part of it yeah i thought that was awesome yeah that was very cool and she goes out and again Mulder. i think especially early Mulder. You know, and some of it might be the writing, some of it might be as the characters developed. Um, and he always had this sort of he he dealt with in the face of danger, he often dealt with it with like sarcasm and humor, but I think mm. especially mm. heavily early on. Yeah. You know, when he's kind of making jokes, you know, break a leg as he's limping, <laughs> limping his way in there. It is nice that he did suffer actual physical damage from being thrown through the air onto a concrete floor. Correct. Correct. Yeah, you're not getting away from that unscathed. <clears throat> but um, as he walks in and then you see Scully looking at the newspaper. Awesome. Very cool. Yep. You said it yourself, right? Like this would be national news. For sure. And it was. Toxic mm. cleanup success, man. Dean, talk Dude. to me <laughs> oh, man. about this about this interrogation. Yeah. Is that what that is? Or Mulder. is it a pulpit from which... Father Boulder preaches from. <laughs> Dude, I didn't remember this at all. Yeah. Boy. I just want to get your allegations. I like the cut. We don't have to go through it all. But uh, over a dozen men lost their lives, sirs. And uh, you want to talk protocol? Huh? He screams <laughs> about cover-ups. And he screams about Max. We all know he was abducted. We all know it. The fucking typist is like, I don't know what the fuck this guy's talking about. (laughs) Everybody in this room, we know the aliens. She's like, wow. (laughs) You, sir, and you. Wow. He is really going after it. Yeah. Uh, My favorite part, though, is the transition from like, you know, it's it's like a yelling match, and then eventually he kind of just breaks and he gets that scoffy tone. Yeah. Dude. 
And that's where he has a couple of the best lines. It comes right after he says, um, oh, Max's body found. How can I disprove these lies that, that are done with an official seal? Right? Mm-hmm. That's good shit. Yep. And then my favorite one, no one, no government agency has jurisdiction over the truth. <sighs> Bam! <sighs> Fucking mic drop on that table. Bam. Walk out. Take that, boy. Here's something that I still forgot about. Deep throat at the end. The the very last scene. Mm. Dude, I've seen this episode, I don't know, between 10, 12, maybe 15 times over my entire life. Not super recently. Man, I was positive he was going to walk up to cigarette smoking man. Right. I, I just forgot. I remembered that Deep Throat obviously is a... You know, they bring in the ambiguity of his motivations, but I forgot that it was him immediately right now. I was like, that is so fucking cool. cool. Yeah, they they got their money's worth out of this guy. Yeah, no they did. The fact that the dude that just went on blast on Scully and Mulder <clears throat> runs up to this guy, calls him sir, and is upset that he over overrode their recommendation. This is our chance to get rid of him. Countermand. Yeah, dude, good word. Um, first of all, I Deep Throat is so good, right? He's he, he's so confident all the time. Um, and this guy doesn't have a bad point. He's talking about the dangers and and the, and the running amok here and, and all this stuff. He's just laying on it on. He's laying it on the man, and he was just like, ah, what he thinks he knows, right, or something like this. Yeah, he kind of kind of scoffing. But, you know, that whole keep your friends close, Indeed. keep your enemies closer. Good shit. And, and the guy just kind of takes it. Deep throat <laughs> exits to right? right? And uh, doesn't say a word again. They don't speak again. And they just walk away. Yep. It's a cool shot. I mean, the guy yeah. stands there frozen as he walks away. Yeah. I'm like, that's all you're getting. That dude has some serious pull. Oh, yeah. Se- serious pull. No joke, dude. Uh, should we do some listener comments? Let's do it. Um, Would you like me to go? I want to read at least a couple, <laughs> man. We got some good yeah, ones. Yeah, there's plenty in here we can get through. <clears throat> you want to start? I got one ready. I got one. Whatever. I will start with Stephen Self. Ooh. In my opinion, Max helped give X-Files its spirit of a bunch of quirky people who had a strong passion for uncovering secrets, forming underground tight-knit communities and developing a symbiotic relationship between their own work and Mulder and Scully's. Especially love the instances where it was some professor. Cool, man. Love that comment. Yeah, and I think that's the one that was kind of like kicking in the back of my head when I tried to jump to something earlier. Yeah, Um, yeah. You know, a lot of people are talking about Max. Um, I'm going to read one from uh, Matt Elias. And uh, this one really spun off into a, a pretty kind of heated uh, conversation. It, not not like people yelling at each other, just really interesting points of view. So he said, after watching, after just watching Fallen Angel, it strikes me how much of what I call the X-Files-ishness of the show has nothing to do with people other than Chris Carter. I'm sorry, <clears throat> has to do with people other than Chris right. Carter, while simultaneously being clear that Carter is an excellent overseer. The George Lucas comparison is so apt. Fallen Angel is the first season one mythology episode so far that starts to feel right, and Carter neither directed it nor wrote it. How much of what got so good about the show was due to people like Vince Gilligan at play in the world created, kind of, by Chris Carter? Interesting. 
Very interesting. And um, some really interesting back and forth after that. And maybe that's something we can uh, revisit in our final thoughts. I'd like to kind of hear what you think about that. Sure. Um, if I have an informed enough to decision, if opinion to, to, because you got to remember, I haven't seen all of these in a long fucking time. So it's going to be hard for me to recall that, but I will try my best, perhaps with prompting questions by you. Maybe that would sure. assist me. But yeah, yeah, that definitely kicked off quite the thread. And then everybody was friends. <laughs> yeah, it was friendly. Like the opposite of Twitter. <laughs> like actual full worth and sentences and coherent thoughts and communication of different points of view. Yeah. Weird, weird. Danny Falch. <clears throat> this is a great episode, but as a native cheesehead, a few details are missing. Lack of bars. You can't go two miles in Wisconsin without going past a bar, yet none in the episode. While a sneaky Mulder, just hop in a beer truck and say you're there to set up a beer tent. Everyone <laughs> expects you to be around. Mulder, do you really think the night ER doctor in cousin fucking northern Wisconsin knows anything about ionizing radiation? Um, no. If you need an expert on alcohol poisoning, blunt force trauma from snowmobile jousting, or treating failed attempts at home surgery, he's your guy. Dude, Danny Falch either at or- better either be from Wisconsin or have had a terrible experience I, I believe he's from Wisconsin. Okay, I think you have to be. You have to, to have to that be, kind to, of... To dump that hardcore shit. Or at least have <laughs> yeah. lived there at some point. Yeah. Um, I got one last one from Rachel Noble Fields. I love this episode, but watching it 25 years later, exactly 25 years later, really highlights how muddled the mythology became once it became the mythology. Mm. In this episode, you really get the sense that the writers are playing around with all the elements, the UFO crash, the government cover-up, but the creature they're hunting doesn't quite fit in with any of the various alien races we come to learn about later, or the whole idea that the aliens were cahoots with the government the whole time. Mm. But it's still a great episode, and you get the sense that Mulder sees himself in Max. He's kind of just Mulder without the Oxford degree, FBI credentials, and plum-colored mm. button-down <laughs> shirt. <laughs> that fucking shirt is mm. something else. <laughs> And Mulder's final speech about how no one has jurisdiction over the truth is just a classic X-Files moment. Good shit. Indeed. So, um, <clears throat> real quick, uh, final thoughts, and then I, I want to ask you a couple prompting questions. Okay. Um, so, this when, when I saw, I'm going to be honest, when I saw Colonel Henderson, is it? I got real nervous. Every time Colonel Henderson came around, you know, I got nervous like he was going to break up the party. And um, it's just, you know, one of the things I like about this being released in, what, 93, is the way I can approach the perspective, the way I can alter my perspective and approach this as, it's just funny, like the, the Henderson and the military stuff. If if you take that too seriously, you're 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 gonna fuck fuck yourself up. Um, so I will say this: even though it's kind of silly that stuff, I dug this episode. I thought it was pretty cool. I think Max is a is a is a positive. I liked seeing the beginning of some of this deep throat stuff. I thought that was really cool. Well, not the beginning; we've already seen the beginning, but him taking an action that directly results in saving Mulder without Mulder even realizing it. I thought that was cool. But overall, I thought it was kind of a cool story. A cover-up, a crash, an alien uh, situation. They're investigating it. We're seeing how it bumps up the stakes. We're seeing what happens in the midst of all that and watching our characters deal with it in a monster-of-the-week way, 
but also titillating with the mythology piece as well, which involves the cover, the cover up and the conspiratorial stuff, which I also kind of dig. Um, yeah, I liked it well enough. That's kind of all I really have to say about it. Yeah, I don't have a lot to add. I think that's a great point we talked about is how it does in a lot of ways feel like a monster of the week, but it also ties in mythology elements, sure. which, which if I have to be honest, is a lot of the mythology I really love. Um, episodes that I, I love also have a standalone kind of aspect that's cool, um, especially as it became increasingly muddled. There, there are some exceptions, which are just a very cool conspiracy, you know, when they kind of raise the stakes or they have some of the big reveals. But uh, it really, on its own, it's it's pretty awesome in just what happens there and then tying it in with Deep Throat and and whatnot. And I think the the bookends of it of it all, the what kicks it off, um, kind of some of the broad strokes of it, some of the, the moments, the beats in it, um, the whole is greater than the sum of the parts. Okay. Especially, especially when you... When you look back 25 years later, like obviously like some of the some of the quote unquote action and obviously the tactical kind of shit is so like cheesy dated 90s. Um, But whatever, like I'm never going to be that critical with that kind of stuff with X-Files. Because it's not the the focal point of the show. Of course. But the conspiracy elements, how how it's approached uh, Max. I, I just, I really think he's such a cool injection into X-Files. Yeah. It does have a lot more resonance than, than solely his character. I think there really are echoes beyond him um, in, into other characters that will come to meet and, and the vibe of, of it. And an interesting thing that, that Ben Pru said is that, you know, how, how Max is kind of us, you know, sure. like th- that interesting way to, sort of look at it from the audience perspective of, of how you're looking at these agents and what they're doing. So yeah, but all, all in all, if I have to hit our scale, I would I say, Steven I Self like said that. Did you say that? Oh, did I? I thought I said Ben. Pro. He might've said, said it said too, it but chat. the comment I okay. read was from Steven, which kind of hinted at that. Gotcha. Okay. My mistake. That's okay. Um, but yeah, I would say, uh, in our scale, I like it. I like it too. I like fallen angel. Um, yeah. But just to briefly hit, it's it could be an extremely long conversation. But it's an interesting point about the comparison is is Chris Carter a George Lucas? You know, somebody that's responsible for creating something, this world, this show, this product, whatever that is such a awesome, amazing thing that I'm so invested in. And yet, is he also the guilty hand of the parts of it that? I came to not really with, enjoy. Yeah. yeah. Struggle with my struggle with um, <laughs> my struggle. Um, five, Chris Carter. Do you think that is a, a fair comparison? It's very different, right? Where you have in TV normally, right? You have different directors of different episodes. You can't possibly have the same director for every episode and, and produce a TV show that mm. way. Um, Film's an interesting one, isn't it? Yeah. Um, Film's weird because, you know, George Lucas, man, it's tough to say. Because what they're suggesting is, right, they're going Star Wars to Empire kind of to return. Is the sum, you you have to figure out how do you quantify how much of the material came from Lucas, how much of the material came from Chris Carter. Um, I don't know how those comparisons are always dodgy to me unless I can really sit down and think about them. But 
it's definitely worth considering is, is, I mean, the best thing you can do is just go episode for episode, who directed it, who wrote it, who directed it, who wrote it. And then you're going to start to see probably repeating patterns and you'll go, okay, so these are my, probably the best episodes and these are the people responsible for those episodes, right? Yeah. And and Ben Prue kind of, he countered, he was on the other side where he listed a bunch of Chris Carter episodes some of which I think are in everybody's favorites. If you look through that list, it's on, it's on there. Yeah. So yeah, that's but what I mean. The, right. But he also was the writer and director, I think, of all four of the My Struggle episodes. Right. You know, the he was the one that mapped out that new mythology. He was the driving force between what happened in season eight and nine. Sure, you know, sure. As, as Duchovny separated from the show, where, you know, basically you have some things that are out of your control, right? You have a a studio or, or in this case, you know, Fox, whatever, a, a um, network that wants to keep producing your popular product and giving you fucking money. Um, <clears throat> but you have kind of stretched your storylines too far. You have your, a lead that wants to leave the show. I mean, w- what do you do there? You fault him for not like fucking packing up and mailed in after season seven when there was, more stories to tell and more money to make. Yeah, you know, I don't know. I- it, it, that's for sure, for sure. And that's in 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 again. I think film to TV comparisons are dodgy, but I do think that it gives him more of a excuse, for lack of better terms, than a guy like Lucas who had most control. Um, which is yeah, how he set yeah. it up. I mean, Lucas was smart to set it up the way he did. Um, so Lucas is probably. Lucas, I mean, if you're talking prequels, he's probably more guilty by just saying, I don't care, and <clears throat> it's Lucasfilm, so fuck off. You know, I, I've got the money. I mean, I'll, <laughs> I'll do whatever the fuck I want. Chris Carter yeah. doesn't quite have that, like, pull, right? You can't, Chris Carter does not have George Lucas money or or sway right. over the <clears throat> medium as much. So, yeah, you could be onto something there. But, I mean, so it, see, this is a thing that I think is an interesting discussion because you you know this just this 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 conversation could have been could have been had. We just did a commentary episode for members on the Science Fiction Film Podcast where we did Righteous Kill, and it's Pacino That's- and De Niro, and it's bad. It's really a bad movie, and you think of some of the some of the shit De Niro's done lately. But does it erase all of his successes? Of course not. It just means he got old. Or, in Chris Carter's case, external forces are, are changing things for him, right? You, in your example, the external forces that worked on Chris Carter maybe aren't the same ones that worked on De Niro, but age, you're older, you're not as in touch. It's harder for you physically, mentally. It's, you don't have the same gravitas when you're a 78-year-old guy with a gun than you do when you're a 48 or a 55-year-old guy with a gun. You know, like, it's just these things that are beyond your control, but they come to you and they go, hey, let's do this movie. It's going to be fun. And then it's dog shit. You're like, well, I tried, you know? like So I, it's yeah. hard for me to hang a guy for having a shitty run on something if he's always had a good run before. Um, so I don't... But... It's a bummer. I mean, you're in a writing corner with my struggle. It, that, it, but see, it's hard for me to indict an entire career. I'm more like, let's take case over case. I mean, yeah, if you put me like in a that. position where I have to indict him on his career, I'll say he made some good ones, he made some bad ones. I mean, that sucks to say it that way, but it's true. I'm not going to say, well, this guy sucks because he had four good movies 
in eight bad movies. You could, yeah, and it's easy to say looking back on. Sorry to cut no, you go off, for it. but but just you know, we can look at everything in hindsight, and yeah, you can be a little bit more critical against you know the my struggles because maybe you should have had a more clear arc. But sure. when X Files came out. Do you think he had the slightest fucking idea he was going to make 250 episodes in two movies? Correct. You know what I mean? Like, you you couldn't have even been prepared for that much storytelling, or you would have, like, never gotten anywhere, right? Indeed. And I think that's why, I know, I know for me personally, a very brief tangent, a relative tangent, is that I have just really lost patience for storytelling that is not on a path that has a definitive end just because in my current life because of commitments and jobs and this and that i just don't have time i don't have time to watch walking dead anymore i don't have time to watch stuff that just goes and goes it sucks to say it like whether or not the show is good or or decent or great or whatever like i need i gravitate towards stories that have a a beginning, a middle, an end that have a path that have the the creator of it wants to tell a certain arc, not to just keep going as many fucking times as the show gets renewed. Mm-hmm. I just don't have that in me anymore. Sure, um, and you're spoiled you for know, choice think, too, right? I mean, we all are. Yeah, of course, We're spoiled of course, for choice but, these days too. And that's why I think increasingly, as I looked back over the X Files, and yeah, obviously the mythology got more and more convoluted, but the, the great things about the show never changed. And I think that's why, like I probably even as a younger person, but ever more so now the, the single standalone episodes that tell a great story are are my favorite. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's a, it's a good point you make though. I like it. I like the idea of saying, listen, it's, it's (laughs) so so for, for example, I won't just say Chris Carter sucks. Do you know what I mean? Because, if you show me this product and then say, what do you think of this product? And Chris Carter made it and it's great. I'll go, wow, that's a great product. It's, I, I really, I'd rather judge the product than the man. So that's why yeah, I'm more yeah. inclined to take each thing piece by piece, you know? Like, hey, this movie that this, like Righteous Kill is dog shit. Does that mean De Niro is dog shit? I don't, I'm not prepared to make that leap logically. I can say Goodfellas is fucking amazing. And Righteous Kill is dog shit. He happens to be in both, right? <laughs> it's just, yeah, and, it's tough to say, you know? And that shit always come back to me. Like, I, I get they're artists or whatever, but at the end of the day, dude, you've won a bunch of Oscars. You made millions of dollars. If if you gave me $5 million to be in a shitty movie, mm-hmm. yeah, I do it yeah, every fucking time. To act like a granddad so, like, so your fucking son's kids can laugh at grandpa on the movie screen. Like people yeah, don't understand so can, that. They're like, oh, he's so making pay for Yeah, fucking A, whatever. So you can pay for a Harvard education for every one of your grandkids. Yeah. Like, dude, like at, at some point, like, hasn't he done his thing and like Correct. a paycheck's a paycheck. Is everybody out there like completely fucking proud of like what you do to earn a paycheck? Right. Exactly. You yeah. know, we're whatever, we're, man. we're breaking like, De Niro's balls for being in fucking righteous kill and uh and like <laughs> yeah, what the fuck dude. are we doing? A couple of humps over here, you know? So it's like that chick yeah, that kinda gets on my butt. But anyway, we're going we're going a lot of ways. It's a great conversation that they had on there and I just want to touch yeah, on it. But good stuff. You guys uh listening should be I would encourage you to be a part of the conversation. Check out the Facebook page. Um just look at LSG Media on Facebook. There's the the main page and then the Science Fiction Film Podcast and then likewise a page for each of the podcasts, the X-Files Podcast. Under that, it says X-Files Fan Group. LSG Media is uh, what it is entitled. I'll give and, you the uh, actual hyperlink if you take a second to listen, whoever's listening. It's 
facebook.com, that's, that's a given. Then you're going to do slash groups slash LSG on X-Files. So facebook.com slash groups slash LSG on X-Files. Um, if you Google Facebook groups LSG on X-Files, it'll come up without putting in the whole URL, I bet. But yeah, that's, um, that's definitely something you should do. There's a lot of cool cats in there doing their thing. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. Oh, and uh, one exciting announcement that we already kind of mentioned last time, but <laughs> I've been uh, I've been fired up. I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, Jessica of the science fiction film podcast, The Westworld and Stranger Things, is uh, hopefully going to be joining us next episode for what are we doing, buddy? We're doing Eve, dudes. Eve. Oh, yeah. What the oh, hell, yeah. dude? That movie. Yeah. That that episode. Uh, oh, yeah. that's always a good go-to. Yeah, this that was in my next couple picks when we were back doing it um, back and forth. Oh no, shit! It is. Yeah, it's one I really was looking forward to talking about. So I am uh, looking forward to it now. Awesome. Well, um, why don't uh, you tell these good people goodbye and uh, that we'll see them in a couple of weeks? Initiate Operation Falcon. 